On today's show, Amin Thompson showed us a lot during his one summer league game, but what was more impressive, his offense or his defense? Also, can Jabari Smith Jr. be the best player on this team next season? And is Tari Eason more than just a 3 and D role player? It's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. Alperon Shengun and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcast, including YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment and subscribe. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on your way to work, on the lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. Joining us now is your weekly co-host, none other than the X's and O's man, Ali Khan Bijani, who you can track down on Twitter at Rockets underscore Insider, here to shed some light, some insight, some takeaways on what we've seen from the Houston Rockets Summer League squad so far. We're going to be focusing on Amin Thompson and Jabari Smith Jr. and Tari Eason in today's episode because we've seen a lot from those three names specifically through Rocket Summer League through a couple games. Unfortunately, I'm in Thompson's games cut a little bit short, only one game sample size to start with him, but that's what we're going to start with because he was the Rockets big draftee and there was a lot of hope, a lot of optimism in what we would see out of him. And honestly, Ali Khan, I was blown away by what we saw out of Amin Thompson. Like it was, it's one of those things where you have to see him in person to really garner like an appreciation for it. And in fact, I think Tari said this the other day during like an in-game interview uh, during Rockets Thunder where Tari got interviewed on the sideline and was talking about playing with Amin. And, and it was like, when you see him in person, the athleticism, the speed, the change of pace, it's all unbelievable how much different it seems in person versus like just on TV or on a YouTube highlight package or whatever. And that was maybe the thing that stood out. That was the biggest thing that stood out to me was that and just his overall poise and composure and the way that he controlled the game. You know, with Amen, it's it's really interesting how he showcased his two-way ability and how the Rockets have been needing somebody like that who can be not just an anchor offensively as an engine, right? I view Amen, I view Amen as potential, a potential engine of this team, but also defensively at the point of attack. You know, he he did have some, I wouldn't say it was perfect, but the flashes, you know, outweighed some of the mistakes that he made. The way he was able to kind of navigate around screens, he struggled a little bit. Like I said, there were some struggles. But when he was able to go around the screen, use his length to stay in front, basically blow up a pick and roll just by staying uh, going over the screen and staying in front, right? Or being able to stay at the hip of Scoot Henderson and force him to pass the ball away or get out of the spot that he was he was trying to go to. He beat him to his spot. So I think on both ends, he showed that he can be that guy. He had those flashes. 
And then offensively, like you talked about. Well, but really quick, just on the defensive yeah. side too, it's so important to, to consider, right? When you have a guy that is that big and that long, like, you know, had Scoot Henderson, if he, if he was navigating pick and rolls and he had like another 6'2", 6'3", guy like on his hip or whatever, navigating the pick and roll, that might still lead to a bucket, right? It might still lead to a shot or a pass, you know, creating an opportunity for a teammate. But when you're being hounded by six foot seven. Amin Thompson, who can jump out of the gym and has crazy, you know, the crazy wingspan as well, and he is right there on your hip, it's different. You don't have the same window for making some of those plays for, for you know, getting some shots off or making a pass out of that window that you do when you have a six foot seven guard who is really locked in defensively, and that was right between his offense and his defense. It's really hard to pick which one you were maybe more impressed by in his debut because he was so real, really so effective on both ends of the floor. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And just one more point on the defense. The thing about Scoot was when, when he was matched up against another defender, he sometimes would be able to overpower him, right, when he was driving. But Scoot is a little different because Scoot can maintain stride for stride where he was going. Um, and, and look, when the, the word point of attack and all these film terms, are, they're, you know, they're coming a lot more now. It's becoming more, uh, you know, commonly talked about uh, in terms of a, you know, casual conversation in the NBA. But point of attack is not just about you know, staying in front, it's about what you're doing in the concept of the scheme um, and making it difficult on that initial action. And Scoot, in my opinion, has the tools to be able to do that. And those flashes, when he played within the scheme that was being played, one, four switches, uh, uh, switching one through four. You, you, said, you said Scoot, you meant amen, right? Oh, amen. Hey, man. Hey, <laughs> hey, man. hey I promise Rockets fans, I'm not thinking about a trade. I wasn't a guy trading up from um, for Scoot, but a man when he was switching one through four, he showed you his ability to guide the switch. Right, he anticipated it and he stayed in front. That's that's part of the point of attack. And also when they were playing drop coverage, and either Jay Huff or Jabari was playing either high drop or at the level of the screen, he was able to quickly get back in front. So he has the tools, the physical tools, but he also has you know, a good understanding somewhat of initially in his career technique to be able to get back. He didn't display perfect technique. Jax, like I said, there are flashes, not everything was perfect, but once he, and he, he's been told, and I'm sure you've been told this talking to all the Rockets people that he's a quick learner. Once he gets an understanding of the technique and how to properly play, how to position his legs, how to position everything, right? Whatever technique that needs to happen, he's going to be a very good defender and somebody who can help anchor your perimeter defense moving forward. He's he's absolutely a hoops junkie and a film junkie, and he's going to be the kind of guy that's in the lab for hours upon hours just studying, making sure he understands the technique, right? And that's the difference maker between guys who are, right? You might have a guy who has all the all the physical gifts, right? And then you might have another guy who has all the drive and the desire to want to be great. But then that there's that tertiary element, right? And that's the desire to sit down and really, it's like doing your homework, right? To sit there and, 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 and like digest the film and want to be in those film breakdown sessions with coaches with his teammates with other players kind of breaking down hey this is where you can make an impact right this is how you need to guard this coverage this is what you need to do here and that's exactly the type of player that Amin Thompson is to be able to go in and, and sacrifice that time and, and put in those hours to make sure that he is you know the best that he can be on the defensive side well on both sides of the basketball frankly Ali Khan the offense though with him really quickly before we move on to Jabari Smith Jr. I really you know I we knew that he was going to be a very capable like pick and roll ball handler coming in, but just his like his complete set like 
his entire court vision. I feel like we saw a little bit of everything from that first game. I really don't think we could have gotten a better debut game from Amon Thompson than we than we did because he showcased his ability in the pick and roll. He showcased his ability in transition. He showcased his ability with outlet passes. Like, I, and I'm just talking passing, right? Of all the different playmaking skills in his bag, we got to see a little bit of everything. And mm-hmm. I think honestly, my favorite was a toss up between the outlet pass that he had to Tari for the wide open dunk or the recovery that he had where he recovered the ball kind of drove baseline and then like bounced it back into the lane to a cutting Tari that led to a foul and two free throw shots. What was your favorite pass? What was your favorite like move that you saw Amen or Amen do? You know, for me with Amen, it wasn't, necessarily his passing that stood out it was more so how he, he stayed in control and i want to give credit to the rockets coaching staff for this I, I tweeted a little bit about it after the first game um but the rockets helped him be successful right the coaching staff helped him they put him in advantageous situations so the way jay huff at that point when he was with the team set the screens was he was set it at an angle and I'm gonna use the I'm gonna use the term angle a couple times here. Initial will be like an angle pick and roll, which is an, a pick and roll that's been uh, that's set up or starts at the slot or like the wing. All right, so they can be either wing, but that it's like an angle pick and roll because it's not at the top of the key, right? Not a high pick and roll in that case. Then the screen itself was also set at an angle, so Portland's defenders were not able to really go under the screen. They had to go over the screen just based off the angle. And what that does is it allows Amen uh, to be able to get into the paint easier because it gives them more of a fresh run, uh, a re- fresh running start. It gives them a little bit more of an advantage, right, at getting to the paint. So it's not just about, for Amen, it's not just about being able to make those passes, do those things, but taking advantage of screens, right? And I think that's it's a, it's a good thing for us to be able to see that now I really do see whoever the Rockets starting big is, and it's probably going to be Shangun. But whoever the Rockets starting big is, Shangun, Longdale, when they're playing with Amen, the screening is going to be as important as anything else to get him going because it's going to get him that separation he needs. And a guy like Amen, he wants to touch the paint. That was his MO in OTE when he played in OTE, is that for him it was one or two dribbles, touch the paint, recognize where the low man is and make the pass. All those passes you're talking about, especially the ones that were in the half court, they all came after he saw somebody make a decision. And that decision coming from the help defender. Did the help defender commit or did the help defender not commit? Based off of that, he had the perimeter pass or he had the bounce pass. And I think for him, the fact that he's already able to make those primary reads and make those primary reads on time and with pace is going to help him a lot. And then now when you add the screen game and and the chance for him to get an advantage, as he continues to work on that floater and and finish with his left hand, not only is he going to be able to make passes, he's going to be able to score effectively in the paint as well. So the shooting thing, that will come. But the Rockets are doing him a solid by helping him, by setting those screens in an angle, right? Kind of like switching the angle of the screen last second, puts the defender, on-ball defender off balance, puts the drop defender on off balance, and allows him to get that advantage to be able to do what he wants to do. He's also shooting 100% from three land right now, so that's at least worth noting. That's three-point shooter on the team, man. There you go, right? Three-point sniper, Amin Thompson. Coming up, we're going to get into Jabari Smith Jr., and can he potentially become 
the Rockets' best player this next season. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Look, sometimes in life we're faced with tough choices and the path forward isn't always super clear, right? It'd be nice if there was like a user manual or a guide to just tell you do X, then do Y, then do Z throughout life, but that's not how it works. Whether you're dealing with decisions around your career, relationships, or frankly anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate your life so that you can move forward with confidence and excitement. I've tried therapy in the past and it's helped me out considerably through some really tough points in my life. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists for at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your roadmap with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your very first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Be sure to stay tuned in throughout the week as we will have a special live on-site edition of LOR coming to you Friday. I say live. We're going to record it live on-site. We've got a Rockets watch party for the fourth Summer League game against the Golden State Warriors. Come join us. It'll be at the Big City Wings, the marquee location. If you're free, Thursday night, 713-day, come hang out with us. Ben Dubose, myself, Clutch the Bear will be there. We will have giveaways, bobbleheads, tickets, opening night stuff. It's going to be a ton of fun. Don't want to miss out on it. Come hang out with us. Jackson, uh, I think you're missing somebody. I may make an appearance. Oh, will we have the X's Nose Man himself with a chalkboard and some, you know, no, I'm kidding. Um, no, but yeah, Ali, any summer league tape, but you know, Alicon might pull up, be there too. We're going to peer pressure Alicon into being there. Uh, All right. Let's talk a little Jabari Smith jr. Alicon, because the first two quarters of summer league didn't look great. Um, and then he looked like the best player in Las Vegas for the next six quarters. So I'm beginning to wonder right now, there's a reason that I had Jabari number one on my board all through his draft cycle. And obviously the way that his rookie year went, he didn't exactly live up to some of those draft expectations. Um, He had a rough rookie year. He knows that he's identified that he's pointed it out himself multiple times. But I think that what you started to see in those couple summer league games, and I know you take it with a grain of salt because it is summer league, but that is the version of Jabari Smith jr. That I always thought, could one day be the best player on a championship contender. The type wow. of guy who can make an impact defensively, which he was doing, but also the kind of guy that can still maybe not generate his own offense because that was ne- never necessarily like the goal with him was to you know give him the ball 30 feet away from the basket and tell him go to work. That's just not the type of player that he was projected to be. But that's exactly what he was doing in Summer League. And I know that it's Summer League, but maybe this is a bit of a preview as to what we can expect from him going forward. Because Ali Khan, if he's the type of guy at 6'11", 7 feet tall, who can put the ball on the floor, drive, get to the free throw line, create for himself, command a double team, and also make reads out of those plays, which he was doing, especially in that second game against the Pistons, the sky's the limit for this kid. I'm a big believer in transferable skills. Like when you work in one field, right, and you develop like good customer service skills or whatever, you go somewhere else, that transfers over in your people skills and things you do, right? In the basketball sense, 
I think there are transferable things that you can take from summer league, not everything, but there are some things you can take and showcase as, Hey, this is what's going to happen for him in the regular season. I think first and foremost is he's proved to me that because of his size and where he'll play as the four, sometimes the five, when he's going against kind of more physical fours or bigger fours or maybe smaller players, he can now take advantage of those mismatches. And that, that was my biggest takeaway from summer league is that now when you give him the ball, he can do something with it. He's not just going to settle for a jumper. He can get the low. And I'm going to give you one example. Okay. There was a play where Jaden Ivy switched onto him top of the key. All right. He drives past Jaden Ivy gets lower than Jaden Ivy's defensive stance. Okay. That was a big knock on Jabari and it still is. He has to work on, he's a little too upright at times, not just with his shot, but with a lot of things, but he got lower than Jaden Ivy on his north to south dribble drive, and he scored over, uh, uh, scored past uh, by getting past Jaden Ivy and drew the foul. All right, he got past Jaden Ivy, put Jaden Ivy on his back, scored and got the foul. That's because he got low. That's because he's improved his dribble. He's more confident. All those different things. And okay. his flexibility, right? Because it look, shout out to the yoga oh, that Jabari was doing it, it, it you know over the offseason, right? That absolutely has to have been something I, I'm gonna ask him about that the next chance I get. Because that has to have been something that he did. I wish I would have thought of that while we were like talking to him post game. He talked about this on Lockdown Rockets, man. We broke this like a month ago that the Rockets had told him you need to improve your core. Yeah. And that's paid a big dividend for him. And you can visit you, you can tell you know, visibly from watching him on TV, his legs much bigger than they used to be his arms getting there, but his core, his, his kind of just chest area, just like Jalen, you can see Jalen has a bigger chest and more pronounced upper body. Same with Jabari. Right. And, and that's, that's on purpose. That's to help him absorb that contact, help stay balanced as he gets lower to the ground and makes those dribble moves. And, and to me, that's a big transferable skill because now when you put a small on him, he can do that. When you put a big on him, he can, he can do that. When he's posting up, he can. He's not leaning away. He did have a few possessions, especially in those where, where he where he would where he kind of like leaned away. He shied away from the contact, right? Like just yes. goes straight into a fade. But then he had some where he like dipped in, hit with the shoulder, absorbed the contact, and went like yes. up through the defender instead of shying away from it. And you saw all this in person in summer league, Jackson. I, I was actually I'm, I'm curious to hear from you. I don't, I don't think this is really talked about enough. When you're on the ground, you're seeing the fans, you're seeing all the NBA guys around you. What was the biggest thing for them with Jabari? What are they seeing as like, hey, something switched for this kid? Well, uh, uh, some sort of flip has switched. Well, what has stood out to people on the ground in Vegas about Jabari? So there were actually, so as I was, there there was actually a, a, a row of scouts baseline. Um, I cannot remember which team they were there. because So they have the one baseline that is for media seating, and that's where mm -hmm. I sat for a couple games. And then the opposite baseline is for scouts of opposing teams. And I wish I could remember which team scouts were sitting there. But one of the things that I overheard while I was standing there, because I, I try to you know be baseline for some of the chunks of the game, just because you can see different things, you can hear different things when you're down there. Overhearing a couple of the scouts talking about Jabari that were like ten, five feet in front of me, one of the things that they were saying is just he looks like confident confidence wise looks like a completely different player and that was a big knock on him his rookie year right is it at times it looked like and we've heard like I had conversations with John Lucas about this with Steven Silas about this is he is a basketball perfectionist right like he thinks so highly of himself and what he's capable of that at times when things weren't going his way when his shot wasn't falling or when he wasn't 
able to execute XYZ on the court, he would get down on himself. He would like be frustrated and that would impact the rest of his game. His confidence was on another level in summer league. Like even in that first half where like the shots weren't falling, he still looked kind of confident in what he was doing. And then he came back out in the second half and really like, I don't know what, you know, coach Sullivan said at halftime or whatever, but got him to like, he locked in and things started going well for him in that, in that third quarter, mainly because he started being more aggressive, right? Putting the ball on the floor, getting to the free throw line, unlocking things that way. And then he, his shot started to fall a little bit more and that helped. But that was, I think one of the biggest things that just stood out is he looked like a completely different player. As far as the confidence is concerned, he had a bit of a swagger to his game. And I think that was missing last year. I, I do have one area of improvement though, for Jabari, just based off of some of um, now, granted, this had to do with the fact that Darius Days didn't play the first game. So Jabari had an extended look at the five, and he also played extended five a little bit in the second game he played as well. But for me, I think we're learning that he's not ready to be a five. And not a full-time starting five, but even just a small ball five, I think that's going to take some time for him. Um, I think you can t- you can get away with a few possessions or a few minutes if he's at the five if you're switching everything. Right. But if you're going to ask him to play drop, you can't have him play deep drop and protect the rim. He's just not physically there yet to be able to do so. He'll rotate on time. And I think that's one thing about Jabbar we've talked about many times. He's eager to help, sometimes over helps in that case. But, you know, I, I saw a, a change in the way he was kind of reading the offense and, and making a decision on what to be able to do, area of improvement. But if you know he's not ready yet, you got to play him closer to the perimeter. OK, so when Rockets fans, if you're listening to this and you hear the word drop, right, usually drop means the big is like towards the paint. Right. But there's something called high drop where you're playing at the level of the screen. And when Jabari did that at the five or when he was switching and he was able to stay in front, that was very impressive. Now, if he can continue to improve just defensively his minutes at the five, that's going to unlock a lot more because you don't necessarily have to rely on Longdale or even anybody else, you can play Jabari at the five and have Tari and your best defensive unit out there. So for me, you know, it's something he has to improve on is defensively, but he showed me enough along the perimeter because he's very, when he, he, I think that swagger you talked about is very prevalent for him defensively when he's aggressive along the perimeter. When you take him away from the perimeter, when he's closer towards the rim, he gets a lot more tentative and passive in his decision-making. So you have to be able to play him that way. And and Ben Sullivan, to his credit, experimented with Jabari, got it on film, you know, got the high drop, the one at the level of the screen, got the deep drop where he was back towards the paint, and got a one, one through five switching with him as well to be able to figure out what he can do to improve as he goes into the rest of the offseason. Coming up, one more note about what we can expect from Jabari Smith Jr. this upcoming season and how the Rockets plan to deploy him, at least defensively, as well as Tari Eason and what he showed us at Summer League. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, let me tell you about Bird Dogs. So why should you go check out Bird Dogs? First off, they are going to be the most comfortable shorts that you have ever owned or worn in your entire life. Honestly, I wasn't a big shorts guy before bird dogs, like, hey, you know, I'd wear basketball shorts or whatever the gym, but I wouldn't wear shorts like out in public, hanging out with friends or going on a date night or any of that stuff. Right. I never felt comfortable or confident wearing shorts until I got my hands on a pair of bird dogs. I'm wearing them right now. First off, they're comfy. They're versatile. Again, 
hang out with friends, date night. You can wear them to the pool or a beach day. They are the most comfortable, versatile shorts that you will ever own. They come in a variety of different colors, different styles, all that stuff. You can find a style for every single occasion. Go grab not one, not two, not three, like LeBron James, not one, not two, not three titles. Go grab yourself a pair of bird dog shorts. You will not be disappointed. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA or enter promo code LockedOnNBA at checkout for a free Yeti-style Bird Dogs tumbler with every single purchase. The tumbler is also amazing. Usually I have it right here on my desk filled with a drink. I don't have it right now, but it is an amazing tumbler. So that's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA or promo code LockedOnNBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you that. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, before we get to Tari Eason and what he could potentially be down the line for this Houston Rockets team, what his ceiling is as a player and whether or not he can be more than a 3 and D guy. Ali Khan, I was at Rockets practice. They only had one practice available for media. That's where we got the chance to talk to Dylan Brooks and uh, Jay Huff. And normally they, they do a couple practices in Vegas. Uh, they did one on Saturday between games one and two, but there was no media availability. So the one that we attended on Monday after the Pistons game Sunday night, uh, I was talking with somebody at Rockets practice and we were kind of talking about kind of, you know, what stood out through the first couple games so far. And one of the things that they told me was to expect a lot of Jabari Smith Jr. at the five and that Ime Udoka, Ime Udoka is, is really excited about some of the different defensive possibilities that are present when Jabari Smith Jr. is at the five. And so I would, at this point, my expectation because I think this also goes hand in hand with what they want to potentially achieve with Amin Thompson, right? Amin Thompson is a guy who thrives when there's spacing on the floor, right? You want to be able to open up the space for him to operate offensively. So I'm making an early bold prediction that what we're going to see next season is when Alper and Shingun get subbed out of the game, Jabari slides over to the five and Amin Thompson comes in and plays the one. Now, whether that's him playing the one and Fred Van Vliet slides over to the two, whatever, like, but my prediction is that they're going to try and get the most out of a Min Thompson with Jabari Smith Jr. at the five and or also at times like Jeff Green. Now, that's not to say that we won't also see them sh- see see Thompson share the floor with Shingoon or Londale at times. They they probably will, but I think that especially in the early going to try and make things a little bit easier for him and to clear up the spacing on the court, that's going to be something that I'm expecting to see a lot of. And it's gonna it's gonna really be dependent also on Jabari as a screener. Mm-hmm. You know, Jabari the screener needs to get better. The Rockets ran some horn sets, very vanilla offense. The Rockets didn't really showcase too much of what they're gonna do, but they ran out of horns um, with Amen and Jabari and, and all those things. And, and I think that's gonna be really big for Jabari. Can he set those screens we talked about for Amen earlier, right? Amen when he had those angle screens or those kind of quick switch or, you know, flip screens and kind of take the defense off balance. Can Jabari do that? Can he provide that for you on a pick and pop? He also, I will say Jabari doesn't have to be the one providing those to be fair. Uh, It could very easily be a guy like Jay Sean Tate. It could be a guy like Tari Eason. It could be Dylan Brooks. And it's, I mean, even Alp. Yeah, Alpe, well, well, with Alpe, J- yeah, with Jay Sean Tate, that that eliminates the spacing. So, like, let's maybe we'll move him out of there. But again, Dylan Brooks, Tari Eason, other guy. There could be any level of like 
Think, yeah. I mean, just think about the different versatile five-man defensive units that Ime Odoka has the chance to throw out there on the floor this next season. And, I mean, even a lineup featuring Amin Thompson, Kevin Porter Jr., uh, Dylan Brooks, Tari Eason, and Jabari Smith Jr. Like, that lineup has a lot of decent defensive versatility. It's got spacing. Dylan Brooks, probably the worst shooter of that group. But I was watching Dylan Brooks shoot in practice the other day, and I know it's just an open gym thing, but the shot looks good. And I will say, and a lot of people commented on this uh, on social media and in the YouTube comments, but his shooting stroke looks a little bit better than it did when he was with the Grizzlies. I don't know if Ben Sullivan's already been working with him on it. I don't know if he was working on it, you know, on it himself this offseason before joining the Rockets, but it looks solid. Uh, one more quick point, and, and we'll, get, we'll get to Tari. It, the point you made about maybe Dylan Brooks or somebody else sitting in the screen for him. For our listeners, Ime Udoka is very big on guard-guard actions. If you go back and watch his Boston Celtics tape, a lot of guard-guard pick-and-rolls. And if you remember Viper that the Rockets used to ran, run for Kevin Porter Jr., that game winner in Washington was a Viper play. Ghost screen that was involved. Think of those guard-guard actions, and maybe we see that with the men, uh, with Dylan, with Fred. Fred set ball, ball, uh, ball screens as a guard with Toronto. So I, I could definitely see that happening for this Rockets team. Absolutely. Now, last guy that we want to talk about here, save the best for last, the guy who gets left off the clutch points graphics. How dare they? Um, the one with the ceiling we can't really calculate because it could be super high. It could be, right? And that's I think that's the curious thing with Tari is is I feel like, and, and I, I think I'm guilty of doing this as well. I don't know about you, Ali Khan, but you know, I think we look at Tari and we think, okay, he's you know a 3 and D role player, right? Like that's, but I almost don't want to necessarily put him in that box because I do think he's capable of a lot. And- we kind of started to see a little bit more of that this this summer league, right? Is especially in game two after Amin went down, like Tari and Jabari were both playmaking at a pretty decent level. Now, now some of that might just come from the fact that they're bigger, stronger, more you know, more prepared, better equipped than all of their fringe NBA competition. That could very easily be be the case, but. I wonder if there's something more there with Tari, right? Like we, we've kind of, you know, I think he's been kind of painted into a corner of, okay, he's going to be a three and D guy, but what more is he capable of, right? Can, can he expand his offensive game? Can he be a guy that can attack off the catcher? Can he be a guy who can play make uh, off the dribble for, you know, at least in the half court? What, what is his true ceiling? Is it just a, a two way three and D guy? Or is it, is there more that he can become at least even on the offense bend? I think there's more, Jackson. And one thing I want to highlight was that Ben Sullivan had Whitmore, Amen, Jabari, and Tari run kind of pick and roll or, or be a ball, lead ball handler on a possession um, throughout the game. And, and how the Rockets did it was they put those players in empty corner actions. Mm-hmm. Our listeners there, empty corner is literally what it is. It's, it's basically wherever the screen and roll or wherever it is, it's an empty corner. There's no shooter there. Because there's no shooter there, there's no chance for a help defender to be there to kind of stunt at the ball handler driving or kind of collapse the, the pain or be one pass away, whatever term you want to use. That corner is empty. So what that does is if you want to pick and roll effectively on the sideline, it's empty, empty corner pick and roll. That driver can go baseline and then has the whole other side of the court in front of them. So it's easier for them to be able to make a, a read on what to be able to do. Tari had a few of those in his two games that he played, and he was very good at it. And what I really liked about Tari is we've talked about his, his need to be able to, to, to make those passes and be a playmaker at times and once he draws into defense. He he had possessions where he's like, you know what, I'm just going to you know go over you. He used his shoulders. 
He bumped. We, we saw we saw some bully ball Tari for sure. Yeah. Bully ball Tari for sure. And there was also possessions where because of his ability to drive empty corner, he could make a pass, right? So, so those are things I'm seeing is that I don't know if he's ever going to be a guy who can be a anchor as a ball handler for a specific unit, whether it's second unit or first unit. But I think he can be somebody who you can count on to be a ball handler to attack and break on a defense. And for Ima Udoka, that's really big. And Jackson, I'm sure you've heard this being in Vegas and being around Ime and Rafael and other guys when you've talked to them. Ime wants players on the court at all times who can be matchup nightmares, who can break you down off the dribble. And if Tari can get confident, which he did show, if he can have that translate into being quick with his dribble and more confident that way, he's going to see playing time and that defensive energy he has. That's not going to be the only reason he plays. It's because offensively as well, he has a nice body to be able to do different things. Yeah, to, to me, he doesn't ever have to be the guy that you're going to give the ball to again from like, you know, 25, 30 feet away from the basket and say, all right, do something. Like, or like initiate the offense. But if you can be the guy who can attack and already like, you know, collapse defense or whatever and keep the ball moving, be that secondary guy attacking uh, offensively after the first uh, first kickout happens. There were a couple plays that he had that really stood out, Ali Khan, first of which when he drove middle and collapsed the defense, and then Jabari cut in from the baseline, and Jabari got that big dunk coming baseline. That was off a pass by Tari. And then he had another one uh, where he drove in from the left wing, I believe, and he kicked the pass to the opposite corner. So he had the, the skip pass to the opposite corner where Cam Whitmore was posted up. Um, Cam caught the ball, delayed for like a split second until the defense rotated over, and then Cam swung the ball to Jabari Smith Jr., who was in the slot, for a wide-open three. So like that sequence both of those sequences were started by Tari. Now, obviously, during, you know, once we're actually into the NBA schedule and they're playing, like, regular season games and whatever, I don't think you're going to see Tari necessarily initiating actions the same way that he was in Summer League. But, and Coach Sullivan talked about this, right? This environment, these are invaluable reps for these guys, right? To be able to go out there and do certain things that maybe they're not comfortable with. I know we, like, we saw Jabari Smith Jr. walking the ball up and running, like, point center for certain possessions, you know, through his, through his two games. And, even though some of them didn't look great, like it's good experience for him to get. So now they have a couple of those on film where they can be like, Hey, like Jabari, look, this is what, you, this is what it looked like the one time it went well. And this is what it looked like the seven times that it went poorly. Experimentation. What we were asking for last year. <laughs> we finally got it. Jackson experimentation. What is that? Like, Oh, we don't know what that is. I, I was told that was illegal. We weren't allowed to experiment last year. <laughs> I was told all we could see was drop defense. Oh man, D, what's what's the what's the meme where it's like uh, you know we're we're asking for defense and it's like we've got defense at home and it's just it's just drop defense that's all it is. It's like the thing from holes. Well, that's too damn bad. <laughs> what was the thing from holes? Right? Oh man! All right, well, drop defense. Well, that's too damn bad. <laughs> you want to see a uh, <laughs> hedging or <laughs> there you go. You want to see you want to see hedging, blitzing, switching? No, can't do any of that. Mm-mm, not possible. Oh man! All right. On that note, let us know your thoughts through the first three summer league games. How are you feeling about Amin Thompson, Jabari Smith Jr., Tari Eason? Give us your thoughts on those three guys. What has stood out to you to this point in? Summer League, drop the comments in the YouTube section. Alicon, you know the drill. Let everybody know where to track you down at. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Rockets underscore Insider. Um, you know, it, we got a lot of really good stuff out of Summer League, man. I'm excited to see how this translates over to the regular season. Thanks for having me on, Jackson.
That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also available on YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.